Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Standalone message. I I prepared this message as a standalone message, and then I started uh, even studying. As, when I was finishing this one, I was studying it for next Sunday. And I thought, you know, I don't know. This might be like a two-part series or something uh, that we kind of go into a little bit more next Sunday from a different angle. I don't know. We'll see what God wants to do with that. Uh, but it's weird. Uh, when, you, uh, when you pastor and you preach for a living, uh, the last two Sundays, not preaching but actually being in the room is a little bit strange, and uh, I'm excited to be back today, but I've got to tell you, the last two Sundays, if you have missed either one of those messages, you need to go back and you need to listen to those or watch those, or if you're like me, I always go back on the podcast uh, and I always listen again. Um, even if I was in the room, I listen again. I was listening to last week's message again earlier this week. And uh, man, the last two weeks, Michael talking about the kingdom and Doug last week talking about your purpose and calling and all of those things. And uh, man, it'll really be a blessing to you if you go back. Um, I, I listen when I listen to other people preach uh, that have spoken here and I listen to other podcasts as well. I'm thinking like, you know, you ever listen to me like, oh, man, that's good. Mm, bless God. You know, but I even listen to myself. And it's funny because when I listen to myself preach like this week, I'll go back and listen to this message. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, that wasn't as good as I thought. Oh, you know, like all these different things, you know, because you're like your own worst critic. But all that to say, go back, especially if you if you missed either one of those weeks. I think it'll be a blessing to you today. We're going to be in first John chapter three. So if you got a Bible, does anybody have a physical paper Bible in your hand right now? Come on. You brought your Bible to church. Oh, my gosh. You guys are like super Christians, you know? Anybody <laughs> anybody got your Bible on your phone? You're like, you're like, this is my Bible right here. You know, you got the YouVersion Bible app or whatever. Um, we're going to have it on the screen, so don't worry if you don't have anything with you. But this is 1 John chapter 3, and I want to start in verse 10, and we'll go through verse 20. It says, So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. What a way to start it off, right? Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. For if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this title, Take Action. Take Action. Look at the person sitting next to you say, it's time to take action. Take action. I want to pray. Can we pray? God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in this room. We thank you for your word. And, Lord, I pray that you would just use me to say what you want to say, not what I want to say. And, Lord, that our ears and our hearts would be open to receive in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. What's important to know, I love First um, John. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that First John was written by the same disciple of Jesus who wrote the Gospel of John, First, Second, Third John, the Gospel of John. And this is a guy who has obviously been walking with Jesus. We know this for for three years or so, and he has heard Jesus teach. He has walked with Jesus for all of this time. He has followed him around all of this time, and. Uh, he, this is the same disciple that if you read through the Gospel of John, John refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. I think that John had a revelation of how much Jesus actually loved him. I mean, when you're writing about, anybody ever written something to somebody and you're like, hey, this is from your brother, the one that dad loves, you know? It's like, you had this revelation that you were that loved, you know, it's like Jesus, he's writing, you know, you got to think the other disciples, I love when he, he's even talking about, you know, going to the tomb, and he's like, and the disciple that Jesus loved, and, you know, and the other disciple, and he's talking about Peter, you know, and they, they got to the tomb, and the disciple that Jesus loved made it to the tomb first, and then Peter got there, you know, like he just had this revelation of the love of God in his life, and so he writes a lot about when Jesus talked about loving one another, and in these letters, he's writing a lot about love, and what's happened uh, in this context is that uh, you know that the church has begun to grow. If you read through Acts, you know that people are being added and they're spreading the gospel and all these things are happening. And John is writing this to clear up some things because there have been this group of people that have stepped away from the community of believers and they've kind of come up with their own theology. They've kind of come up with their own way of doing things. We would call that today Gnosticism. And so they've kind of come up with their own, like, this is what we really think. Like, we don't believe this anymore. Like, we're not really sure about that. And so in the midst of that, John is writing to, uh, to correct some things and kind of clear the air, bring them back to the basics, if you will, because this teaching is kind of lingering in their mind. And so right in the middle of these five chapters that we have is what I want to focus on today. And right at the beginning, John makes this statement where he says, this is how we can know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are, to which we would all lean in. We're like, okay, it'd be kind of important to know. Like, how do you know if somebody is... is you know, following Jesus, or if somebody is, as you know, we'll see in this, of the world. And here's kind of how I put it in my own terms, going off of what John said here in chapter 3. I think this is how you can know someone belongs to God. There's feet to their faith, and there's love for others. They don't just say they believe. No, they actually live it out. They're actually following Jesus. And there's love for their brothers and sisters in Christ. There's love for the people around them. They don't just say that they love but they actually show that they love. You can look at their life and you can know, man, that person loves Jesus. That person loves the people around them. And John is writing and he talks about this concept of loving one another as if it's like priority. You know, like one of the top things on the list. You can even go back to Jesus, we'll read it today, but Jesus where he said, this is what you need to do. You need to love one another. Love one another. And I want to give you just a few things from this passage that I think we can take home, we can think about, meditate on, apply to our lives that I think will be helpful. Some few, a few things just to understand. Here's point number one if you're taking notes. Let's all just say this together. Can we put this on the screen? Let's all say this together. Say, don't be surprised. Alright, now that you know what it is, say it like you mean it. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Anybody ever been surprised? <laughs> Anybody ever been caught off guard? Some of you got up this morning and you're like, hmm. You know, some of you got married and you woke up you know, the next day next to that person and you were surprised. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you were like, huh. You don't always have makeup on. You know, like, huh. Like, you seem like a really good guy, but your breath is bad in the morning. You know what I'm saying? 
Like you were surprised about some things. I was writing out some things. Anybody ever, you know, you showed up to work one day and you were surprised that you no longer had a job? You know, you showed up and it was like, hmm, that kind of caught me off guard. Anybody ever been surprised by something that somebody said about you? You're like, man, I didn't see that coming. Anybody been surprised, for those of us in the room that have kids, anybody been surprised by something that your kids did? You came home one day and you were like, hmm, that takes talent, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how you pulled that off, but it kind of caught me off guard. Anybody ever been surprised by something your spouse did? And you're like, hmm, <laughs> I didn't know you had it in you, you know? Just caught you off guard. Maybe it was, you know, an accident or news from the doctor. But something surprised you. And it's interesting to me that there are a lot of things in life that catch us off guard, that surprise us. But there's something that John specifically says, hey, in the midst of everything that catches you off guard and surprises you, he says there's something that you should not be surprised about. There's something that should not catch you off guard. You should not be surprised. And he makes this statement in 1 John 3.13. This is what he says. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if what? If the world hates you. Don't be surprised. A lot of things that can surprise you, but here's what he says. He says, hey, listen, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Anybody ever felt like the world hated you? Anybody ever felt like everything was uphill? And I surrender my life to Jesus, and it feels like everything is coming against me. It feels like the world is against me. And what is John talking about when he's talking about the world? I think he's talking about just a different belief system, a different way of looking at things, a different kingdom. Michael talked about kingdom a couple of weeks ago. It's just a, it's a, it's a different kingdom. And we know that we are in the world, but we're not of the world, right, as, as believers, that we've been called out of the world. And there's the way of following Jesus, and then there's the way of the world. And really, the two are at odds against each other. Maybe you've even felt this tension in your life before where you were kind of riding the fence. And there was this tension between following Jesus and following the ways of the world. And when I follow Jesus, it seems like everything in the world comes against me. And so sometimes I just lean back into the world because I think it makes life a little bit easier. And John said, hey, don't be surprised when as a follower of Jesus, the world hates you. Don't be surprised. Have you noticed, it seems like, and I know it's been going on, and we live in America, and so this is kind of, this has been going on all over the world, but we live in America, and so it's kind of new to us to some degree, but have you noticed some of the hate toward the church, and the hate toward believers, and the hate toward Christians, and the, you know, like, all of this, and, and then, and here's what's dangerous, is when we begin to respond with the same kind of hate. But there's kind of like this, and, and, and what that is, is that's the world, the world system that doesn't want anything to do with the ways of Jesus. Jesus spoke really to the same thing. These are the words of Jesus. This same John wrote this down in his gospel in John 15. He said, this is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. And Jesus said that the world loves those who belong to it and hates those who don't. So I would pose this question to you and maybe this thought to you to just think about on your drive home. Maybe talk about it with your spouse on the way home. Mention it to your kids. If it doesn't feel like the world hates you and it feels like you belong to the world, 
Maybe you ought to check that out. Because Jesus said that the world loves those who belong to it, but it hates those who don't. And when you begin to really live for Jesus and you begin to really follow Jesus and not just say you're a Christian, but actually become a follower of Jesus, there are going to be maybe a lot of times where it feels like people or the world, as John would say, hates you and is coming against you. When I was preparing this message, I felt like the Lord dropped this thought into my heart for me specifically, and I want to share it with you because it might resonate with you as well. That a lot of times, if you've been here, a lot of times as Christians, we are waiting for the world to show that they love us before we show love. It's like we want our love to be a response to you loving me. And that's not, that's not what the Bible says. Number one, the Bible says that the world will hate you as a follower of Jesus, but that you're called to love one another. And I know the context of this is talking about believers, and may we be a church that not we don't just say we love each other, but we actually love each other. But man, I think there is a lost and dying, hurting world who needs to know the love of Jesus. And Jesus himself said, this is how the world will know that you're my followers, is by the way that you love one another, and they're going to take notice. And here's what happens a lot of times when they take notice. They see something like that, and they think, hmm. Jesus also said, let your deeds shine out before men so that they will see the good things you do, and they will glorify your Father in heaven. So there's something about the things that we do and the way that we love each other and the way that we live out our faith that the world takes notice of. And we might be hated by the world, but it's also these are the ways that we reach the world. These are the way that people know that we're followers of Jesus and they see that, man, there's something else that I'm missing out on. But some of us, I think, we've been waiting for the world to love us so that we can respond with love. And some of us have even been bitter at the fact that, that people who don't follow Jesus don't like us. Anybody ever been just mad at somebody that didn't like you? You know, it's like you're the, you're the, you know, the, the Jesus follower at work, and you're like, man, nobody at my job likes me. Nobody at my job, and it just frustrates you, you know, it's like, and, and, and you kind of know what is behind that. But John would say, hey, listen, don't be, like, don't be surprised. Jesus even said it himself. Don't be surprised. The world even hated me, even to the point that they killed him. And so the, the ways of Jesus and the ways of the world are at odds with each other. And we're in this world, but we're not of this world, and we shouldn't be surprised when the world hates us. We should use it as an opportunity to let our light shine in the darkness. This is why I think in Matthew 5, 14, the Sermon on the Mount, at the beginning of that, Jesus called us the light of what? The world. Hey, I've set you apart, and now you are a light. You've been called out of darkness into light. Now you are a light. So go into the world and shine the light. And we know this. Jesus would, would go on to say, and you don't, like, as a light, you don't get a light out. In, come on, let, anybody ever had the electricity go off in your house? And you light a candle. Who, all, who goes and lights a candle when it's dark? You light a candle and then you put a bucket on it. Well, I know it's lit under there somewhere. He says, you don't, light a, you don't light a lamp and put a shade on it and cover it up so that it, no, like you put it on a stand so that every, it lights up everything. And some of us need to get back to the place to where every time we walk into the room, we light it up. 
Stop being surprised that, that man, like, well, I thought when I, when I became a Christian, listen, becoming a Christian, following Jesus will be the best thing that you'll do. And I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, it's the best decision you'll ever make, and it'll make you better at life. But it does not make everybody like you. And it does not make your life easy. But we can be people who do what Jesus said and shine the light in the darkness. In fact, that's the, the action that I think we need to take. And then I want to jump into this next point. But we need to shine the light in the darkness. Don't be surprised, as John would say and as Jesus would say, don't be, don't be surprised when the world hates you. Don't, don't be waiting for the world to like you and agree with you and love you. And don't try to... Don't try to compromise what you know Jesus has called you to to try to fit in with the world because you think that it'll help the world like you a little bit more. Jesus has already said, no, the world, if the world hates you, the world, just know, the world's already hated me. So don't be surprised by it. Here's, here's the second thing, point number two, is that love equals action. Love equals action. Do, do you believe that love is important? Come on, is there anybody at church today, 1045 service, believes that love is important? Peter, another disciple of Jesus, he said it this way, and we read this a few weeks ago when we were going through 1 Peter. He said, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For what? Love covers a multitude of sins. He said, most important of all, most important of all, show each other love. Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. And it's interesting to me that John in this letter, uses Cain and Abel as an example. And right after that, he says, hey, don't be surprised if the world hates you. And he uses Cain and Abel as this example, that Cain was doing what was evil, and Abel was doing what was righteous. And the Bible tells us, if you go back and you read it in Genesis, that God accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering. And what did Cain do? Cain killed him. Have you ever been... Uh, have you ever been not doing what you knew you should do? You, like not living right, if we could say it that way. I don't know what the correct terminology would be, but you get what I'm trying to say. And, it, and like you were in a season where you weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you were getting mad at everybody that was. It's like, okay, I know I gave my life to Jesus, and right now I'm just not, I, I'm just not, I'm not living it. There's no feet to it. And you started, maybe you had something happen to you and it hurt you. Maybe you had something, you know, some tragedy happened and you kind of like, you kind of put it on the back burner. And then you started getting frustrated at everybody who was living for the Lord. And really the reason we do that, if we're just being honest, is because we know that we should be. But we're not. And if I'm not, I don't want you to because you're going to make me look bad. And this is what happened. Like Cain, he, he says, okay. Cain's doing what was evil. the world. Abel was doing what was right, the ways of Jesus, and Cain killed Abel, and the world killed Jesus. And isn't it, isn't it a temptation sometimes? We may not kill people physically, but whenever we get this mentality and we're not, we're not following in the ways of Jesus, we'll kill people with our words. We'll kill people with a Facebook post. We'll kill people with, a, with an Instagram, you know, picture. Like, we have this tendency to kind of lean into this whenever we're not, we're not following closely to Jesus. John tells us, he says, we should not be like Cain. 
Don't try to fit into the world. Don't try to fit into the ways of the world. And if we jump down to verse 16, he writes a little bit more about this, and I want to read these three verses. He says, we know what real love is because of this. This is how we know what real love is. It says, Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Isn't that, isn't that kind of strong? Like, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, and so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters, to which we would be like, that seems a little dramatic, <laughs> Right? Seems a little over the top, you know, like, can I just come to church and just read my Bible every once in a while? You mean I've got to, like, like give up my life? For my, like, I've got to use Jesus as my example? And that's exactly what he's saying. He says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. It's actually our actions that show that we belong to the truth. And that's what he would say. It's, it's actually our actions that show real love to people. Now, I just want to take a poll today. Can we participate for just a moment? I just want to take a poll. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you they loved you? Come on, can we just raise our hand? You've had somebody tell you that they loved you. How many of you have had somebody tell you they loved you and you felt loved? You know, it's like, man, they told me they loved me. How many of you later on, you know, maybe a month goes by, maybe three years go by or something like that, and they tell you that they love you, but you have never seen it in their actions. At that point, how many of you still feel like, man, they must really love me? <laughs> Said no one ever. Because actions is what love is all about. Love leads us to do something. Love led God to do something. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Love is an action. And there comes a point where somebody can tell you that they love you over and over and over and over again. But have you had that moment where it's like, I know I'm picking on like young married people. I don't know what, I don't know what the deal is today. Just... But you get married, you know, and it's like, I love you. I love you, too. No, I mean, I really love you. No, I really love you more, you know. And you go back and forth, and you got this thing going on. But what would happen, listen, just hypothetically, I know this isn't your marriage, but just hypothetically, what would happen if you, you said you love each other, but nobody ever showed it? I never did anything for you. I never responded in any way to you. I never, I never went out of my way. I never laid down anything that I wanted to do for the benefit of you. There would come a point to where I would be in the question, is it even real love? Because love leads us to do something. To love someone is to do something. Jesus even made this statement, John 14. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, he says, if you love me, it'll lead to an action. If you love me, there's going to be something that you'll do. If you love me, then this will just come naturally to you. Obedience and faithfulness. This is how we know how much God loved us. He did something. Now, if we, if we jump into another portion of this, this is verse 17. But how many of you have ever been in a good place in your life? Even specifically, like what we're talking about here, materially, financially. Anybody ever been in a good place financially in your life? Some of you are like, no, I don't know what that's like. Can somebody <laughs> nudge your neighbor and be like, can you tell me? <laughs> what it's like to be in a good financial place, right? And, and John says, he's, he's speaking to the people, and he says, hey, if you, if you have enough and more than enough, then you need to notice what's going on around you. you need to not we need to be people as followers of Jesus that we notice needs and we notice what's going on in people's lives. Do you, do you notice 
where a need is? Do you have a heart of compassion for people who are in need? And, and some of us, I think, even might be in this place right now that maybe you're living well and you have more than what you need and God is really taking care of you financially. And, uh, but here would be my question. Do you see the blessings that you've received as an opportunity to show the love of God to others? Or do you see the blessings you've received as an opportunity to show that you belong to the truth? Or do you see the blessings you've received as an opportunity to give through the local church or to give to some organization that, that God is working in, that something that's on your heart that you're passionate about and that you want to see God do something in that area or whatever it is? Like, is, is, is the love that you say you have, is it leading you to action, even with the things that you have that are extra? And look at verse 19 again. He says, our actions will show. Not our words. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we'll be confident when we stand before God. God even set an example by, by acting out his love for us. This is Romans 5a. You probably know this verse. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. There's that whole context of why am I waiting on somebody else to show me love before I show them love? No, I need to take the first step and be the one that God uses to show love to the people in my world, to the people that are around me. John says that we know what real love is by what Jesus did for us. And so as believers, we should give up our lives for each other. And I think a great picture of this, we did an entire series. It's been two or three years ago uh, when our word for the year was devoted. And we were focusing in on Acts chapter 2 and about you know, six or seven verses there. And I want to read a couple of those verses because I think it gives us a beautiful picture of what it looks like to put this into action, to apply this to our lives and what the first church did. It says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. We could just stop there and kind of chuckle. They shared everything they had. Like, oh, you're like, oh, you're like, you're a follower of Jesus. Okay, so what I have is yours and what you have is mine. And, and we're just going to share everything we have. And look at what he said. Look at what it says. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. So when was the last time, listen, and I'm not telling you to go do this. I'm saying follow the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, like, God's word is true. But when was the last time that you were like, you know, I've got like 50 acres. Maybe I need to, like, section off a few and sell it to go meet the need of somebody else that I know is really in need right now. When was the last time you had that thought? When was the last time, you don't even have, like, you don't have, and you're, uh, right now you're sitting there, it's like, thank God I don't have land, you know. <laughs> thank God we just live in a little neighborhood lot, you know. When was the last time that the thought even crossed your mind when you saw something on social media where somebody was in need, that the thought crossed your mind to meet it? Have you ever even had the thought, and I know this is like, this is bold, and this is like, this is in your face, but have you ever... Have you ever seen somebody and you even had a thought, a thought, a compassionate thought that was like, you know, I really could sell that extra car and do something with that money for the kingdom. I really could give, I've known people in our church who have done this. I can give my extra vehicle to somebody else that I know does not have one. Do you know you're sitting around people who have done that? And they don't brag about it. And I won't even tell you who they are because they would not want you to know. But when was the last time that you following Jesus, that you even had the thought like, 
man, how can I, how can I show my love for the Lord, and how can I show my love for my brothers and sisters in Christ? And can I just tell you today, this is what the church does. This is what the church does. This is why we are so big on outreach and being outside the walls and doing things in the community because this is what the church does. You guys are so generous, and it's why we're able to be able to like, hey, we can, we can, let's build a house in Africa for a family that has been living on, you know, like in nothing. Let's give to this over here because this organization, even in our community, is reaching people that we may never reach, and they're rubbing shoulders with people that we may never rub shoulders with, and let's get behind them, and let's fund that thing, and let's do something that God wants us to be a part of. This is, this is what the church does, and I would even take it a step further and say this is what followers of Jesus do. Because you and I are the church. So this is what Jesus' followers do. Maybe you'll remember it this way. Having true love means being willing to make sacrifices for the ones we love. And isn't this exactly what Jesus did? Isn't it exactly what Jesus did? To set an example for us? And so I want to ask you this question, then I'll move on to this last point, we'll be done. When was the last time you gave up something for the benefit of someone else? We were at a, we were at a men's conference on Thursday and Friday. Great conference, great time. Thing was completely sold out. I mean, it was it was just incredible. One of the things the very first night we were there, the very first session that we were in, um, they said we have not only is this sold out, but we have eight hundred people on a waiting list that were just waiting in case somebody couldn't come and was going to give up their ticket. That's how sold out it was. And he made this statement and it blew me away. He said, there are people, he said, you know, he was like, let's clap for all of our volunteers and those that are serving. And there was hundreds of people serving all over the place and, you know, just d water and snacks and all this stuff. I mean, just serving everywhere, cleaning things up. And he said 400, he said 400 men gave up their ticket so somebody else could come and said, instead of sitting in here, I'll just be here and serve. Those are people that said... I can give up something for the benefit of somebody else because that's what followers of Jesus do. It's what we do. And there is a ton of people that you probably know who are hurting, lost, searching for answers. And we would even say in our terminology, living in darkness that need to see the church be the church. They don't need to see the church criticizing each other. We're over here criticizing each other while people are dying. They need to see the church being the church. Loving each other well, being there for each other, stepping outside of the walls and saying, what can I do for you? How can I lay down my life somehow for you? This is what we do. When was the last time that you saw a need and you gave up something to meet that need or you gave up your time for the benefit of someone else to show them love? Or when was the last time that you sacrificed something for the benefit of others? Love is what we're called to as Christians, but love is not a noun. Love is a verb. Love equals action. 
here's the action I think that we're called to take. It's don't just verbalize love, show love. Because there's not a person in this room that would raise their hand and say, you know, because somebody told me that they loved me, they never showed me, they never did anything for me, they never sacrificed anything, I never really even saw them again. But they told me that they loved me, and I just felt so loved. No, it's by our actions that people feel and experience the love that we say we have for them. So let's show love, not just verbalize it. And the worship team can come back, and here's point number three. It's that God is greater than our feelings. God is greater than our feelings. You ever been led by your feelings? Can we be honest in church today? You ever been led by your feelings? I, I just jotted down a few things that have, that have gone through my mind, right? I just don't feel like getting up today. Anybody ever just not felt like getting up today? It's like, man, I just don't feel like it. Some of you are here today and you're like, you don't know what it took for me to get here <laughs> to sit in this seat today. Because I just don't feel like, I don't, I don't feel like, come on, this is, this is some of us. I just don't feel like being nice to that person today, right? I just don't feel it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like working hard today. I don't feel like giving my best today. I don't feel like working as if I'm working unto the Lord today. Like, this is just not my day. I don't feel like it. And a lot of times we are led by what we feel. We are led by our feelings. You ever made decisions based on your feelings? How did that go for you? You ever made a decision based on your feeling and you look back three months later and you're like, hmm, I felt wrong. <laughs> I don't think I felt that right. I was thinking, you know, well, it felt okay in the moment, so I did it. Well, I felt like it could be a good business move, so I just made it. That's when, just off my feelings. I felt frustrated in the moment, and so I said what was on my mind. I felt something, and boy, I just let them have it, and they'll never talk to me that way again. And you were led by your feelings. You made decisions based on your feelings, and I love even in, in this context, looking back at verses 19 and 20, because I think somebody needs this today. It says, our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we'll be confident when we stand before God, even if we feel guilty. God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. I would, I would bet that there's at least one person, probably most of us, that you've given your life to Jesus but you just feel guilty. You just don't feel like, and here's what, here's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to get you in your feelings. I was just talking yesterday to my wife about how I was feeling, about even standing up here today. And thank God she was reminding me of truth, reminding me of what God has said even something, just thoughts that I was struggling with. And we were at this conference, and I told her, I said, one, I said, it wasn't even the context of what the guy was talking about. And he made one statement, and the Holy Spirit said, that was for you. And he wasn't even talking about how I've been feeling. He wasn't even talking about thoughts that have been going through my mind. Like, none of that. He made one statement, and the Holy Spirit said, did you hear that? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> But the enemy loves to get us in our feelings because if he can make you feel worthless, you won't do anything. If he can make you feel shame, you'll just hide. 
if he can make you feel a certain way, you won't do what you're called to do. But I just feel like I came to tell somebody, even if it's one person today, that God is greater than your feelings. If you read this in, in other translations, it, it doesn't even say the word feelings. It says the word heart. Talk about our mind, will, and emotions, like our innermost being. It says that God's greater than that. You stepped into relationship with Jesus, and the enemy keeps trying to bring up your past and everything that you've been with, and you feel guilty, and you're feeling shame, and, and, and you can just stop and say, no, God is greater than my feelings, and I'm not living my life in this. I'm not living my life sitting in fear. I'm not living my life sitting in doubt. I'm not living my life sitting in what if. I'm not living my life in shame and guilt and condemnation. No, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and God is greater than how I feel. I don't have to be led by my feelings. And the enemy would love for you to operate based on your feelings, but you do not have to be led by your feelings. The prophet Jeremiah, he would tell us that the heart is deceitful, most deceitful. And the enemy would love for you to just stay there. Just stay there. Stay in your thoughts, stay in your feelings. But somebody needs to know today God is greater than all of that. God is greater than all of that. Will you stand to your feet today? Here's the action that I felt like the Lord wanted me to leave you with. And then I want to pray for you and our prayer team can go ahead and come down. Is that for some of us, we need this. We need to trust God, not our feelings. For some of us, we have gotten so in our feelings and so down and we've been hiding and we've been shrinking back and we're, we're doing all these things. We're doing everything except follow God's call on our life because we're being led by our feelings. And I just felt like the Lord was saying today, are you gonna keep trusting what you feel? Or are you gonna trust me? Are you gonna keep trusting what you feel? Or are you gonna trust me? And so what I wanna do is I wanna pray for you because I know that, that a message like this will land in different places with different people. And I know there are probably some of you here that you, maybe you are the person that you've been waiting on, like you're waiting for people, you're waiting on the world to accept you and love you before you show love. And so you're reserving everything back. And Jesus said, listen, don't be surprised if the world hates you because it hated me first. And the world loves those who belong to it, but if you don't belong to it, it's gonna hate you. It's gonna hate you. So don't be surprised by it. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, you know what my thing is? I." I'm good at saying that I love people, but if I look at my life, I don't know that I have ever done anything, or maybe it's been a while that I have, I, I can't say that I have put my love into action. Maybe you would even say, I don't even see needs anymore. I've become that distracted. That I couldn't tell you if there is somebody in need or if there is somebody that the Lord would want me to speak to or if there is somebody that the Lord wants to use me to do something in their life. And maybe today you need to declare over and over and over again when you walk out these doors today, I'm going to trust God, not my feelings. I'm going to trust God, not my feelings. I know, I, I know I'm like I feel shame. God is greater than that and he took that and he bore that on the cross and I'm not going to live in that I'm not going to live in fear he took all my sin he took all my shame he took all the guilt he took it all upon himself and so he is greater than all of it and I'm going to trust God I'm not going to trust what I feel I'm not going to keep operating in what I felt 
I'm going to operate in the authority and the power and the truth of who God is. And I'm trusting Him. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes and maybe even just want to ask the Lord right there to say, Lord, what are you speaking to me right now? What, what are you saying to me right now? And Lord, I just ask you, first of all, I just want to say thank you because you are so good to us and you are so faithful. And Lord, we could go around this room and maybe we've forgotten, but we could think of something where you've sought us through. God, you've brought us through. You have always been there. We've seen your goodness. We've seen your faithfulness. Lord, right now I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, those that are watching online because they couldn't be here today. God, I just ask you to show us what you want us to do. Lord, let us be people that not just say we love, but that we show that we love that there's feet to our faith, there's love for other people. Lord, help us to be light in the darkness, to not be surprised by what's going on or if the world hates us, but instead of that, we would take it as an opportunity to say, I am the light. And I'm going to shine bright in the darkness everywhere that I go. In every room that I walk into, because you are with me, the atmosphere will change. And the temperature will change. And Lord, for those of us that are in this room today, and we've just been struggling with guilt, we've been struggling with shame, and struggling with feeling worthless and not good enough, and the enemy has just been lying to us. And we've hidden ourselves because of it. Lord, today I pray for boldness and courage and faith to rise in Jesus' name. And Lord, we declare in this place and as we walk out these doors, we will trust you and not our feelings. Our trust is in you. Our hope is in you. Our faith is in you. Lord, I pray as we sing this last song, if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything, if it's a financial need, a marriage situation, something with a child, their thoughts, whatever it is, God, we all need prayer from time to time. And Lord, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer in Jesus' name.